Causing the Effect, a podcast focused on the exploration of your mind, body, and spirit. ground there lived a hobbit not a nasty dirty wet hole filled with the ends of worms and an oozy smell nor yet a dry bare sandy hole with nothing in it to sit down or to eat this was a hobbit hole and that meant comfort damn i always wanted to open up a podcast with a line from lord of the rings what better month than to do it now people welcome to causing the effect, I am your host, Scott Cazzoli. As always, thank you so much for allowing me to bullshit with you a little bit, expand our brains in, in some matter, whether for the better or for the worst. Um, if we could just keep the growth going, first off, uh, smash the like button, leave a review if you could. You could shit on me if you wish, that's fine as well. I won't cry at night, but I will. Um if uh, It seems that the easiest way is just to tell a friend about it. Let a couple people listen to it. I would appreciate it. I think there's something for everybody in this. This is the podcast where we're just trying to expand our minds a little bit using some modern psychology, modern wisdom, a little bit of this, a little bit of fitness, sometimes a little mythology. I've been on a mythology kick. I would suggest listening um, to the episode on mythology I did, I think it was July 19th, episode 120, um, it was called Mythology and Archetypes, Um, that was a good leeway into this, this month um, with me and my cousins, my best friends, I'm lucky enough to have a couple dudes around me that we've been celebrating this uh, month of August, every year for the last, since probably 17 or 18, so the last 14, 15 years of uh, we call it Tolkien Month, and this is a celebration of Lord of the Rings, celebration of J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, it's one of my favorite months of the year. What we do is we will each watch um, Lord of the Rings together. Yes, usually on the first, we'll watch uh, The Fellowship. For those of you who don't know, Fellowship of the Ring is the first episode. Lord of the Rings, uh, the, the Return of the King is episode three. In the middle is the Two Towers. We will watch each of those together, and all of us will be reading a little bit of, um, you know, take your pick. You could, there's Untold Tales, there's Similarian. You can read the original books, you can read The Hobbit. Uh, I um, will be watching uh, Two Towers right after this. Just because I'm going to bang out two by myself, just because I just don't care. I just, I'm so excited after watching Fellowship yesterday, this led me, um, you know, we do some preparation for it, been reading um, some books, and just been digging more on the mythology side, and the metaphysical side, and um, I was just curious, and I thought I'd share with you guys what I was researching, because I've been doing, ever since I did, I did that mythology one uh, two weeks ago, I've been just digging deeper into the mythology, why it re- resonates so much with me, and, and with you guys, thank you so much for the support on that episode. Um, and why, in particular, what was so interesting about the Lord of the Rings? Why is it so popular for, for not only for me and my family, but but for everybody, right? This is timeless. Um, it's only grown and gained more popularity as we go. Um, and I, I do think um, that there, the, the, the over, I have so many different notes here. I'm going to, this is going to be a clusterfuck, but whatever. Um, I, I think on the highest level, 
what Tolkien was trying to do, and he was a very devout Christian, I think that that bleeds into this. Um, I don't think you have to, you know, be a Christian to, to watch it by any means. I'm not really of the big Catholic faith, but um, I, I think there this is in totality a commentary uh, of nature, of, of good and evil. And what Tolkien wanted to do was create a mythology focused very much on the north and western pieces of culture not so much you know the norse had their own um mythology even the um the oriental countries do as well and you know i think he wanted to kind of stay away from the mediterranean parts of the greeks and the you know the the people that come from those lands and really focus on making a mythology of his own that really came from you know england and there's a ton of different parallels on an internal conflict level and an external conflict level on a theme level from his life compared to that. I don't know what I'm going to get into, but I'm just going to keep talking here. And the interesting thing that I loved about, um, that I love that the theme of this is, you know, I think a lot of people get bored with the commentary of just good versus evil. And even I got a little um, bored of Lord of the Rings for, for a time because it was just, you know, what's going to happen. And it was just, it just seemed very very basic to me, right? Especially compared to George R. R. Martin's work, if you compare things that have a little bit more gray area to it. But I, I'm starting to love this even more than, um, you know, even Tolkien, uh, even, you know, George or Star Wars or any of these other ones because what I've realized rewatching The Fellowship yesterday, it, it's not so much good defeating evil which is the the approach that I think we all take, but it, it's it's so much that evil is self defeating, and evil you just kind of let it sit there, and um, b it will self defeat it. Uh, it will be a self defeating prophecy, and this is you know that that last scene, Lord of the Rings, when you see Frodo, um, you know succumb to the ring. I always looked at that like I was always upset by that, like the hero's failing. What's going on with that? And you know if you look at it from a different angle. It's not good failing. It is Frodo and um, Gollum end up fighting each other because of what the ring is creating them do that makes them fall into the pit, or at least Gollum falls into the pit, into um, the fire, the lava. So it is evil defeating evil in a way. And I think the other reason that even if you haven't taken a look, this I'm going to go in and out of just pieces that are important. I think, you know, anybody listening to this, I hope you've seen it. If you haven't seen it, please at least do a little overview of just that there's so many um, metaphors, so many parallels here. And, you know, if, even if you, that that first quote that I read is from The Hobbit. You could read you could read The Hobbit. It's, it's a qu- much quicker book, but it is the prelude to The Lord of the Rings. Um, and I'll, I'll jump back and forth between everything. But in The Hobbit, and very similar to, to Frodo and the and, uh, their, their, their Hobbits, right? Uh, Hobbits in general are just an interesting thing to look at, right? The um, Bilbo uh, and Frodo, they're overprotected. Even, you know, hobbits could be a little dopey, a little scared, right? And um, what is each each of their journeys about, right? It's about that journey into the wonder of something foreign, leaving the comfortability of the Shire behind and doing something that you're not used to. And if you're listening to this and have heard some other episodes, you know that that's a theme that I always kind of try to bring out in my interviews and as well as my um, as my episodes. I think that's something that is super important. That's p- 
part of the one of the the themes that I think brings you um, to just be so interested in, and just to be able to watch it over and over again, you know. And um, I think Tolkien originally wrote this to be um, a children's book, but he also said that there is deeper levels to this that you can kind of be nuanced and and end up finding if you read the books again and again. I think that is the the true the true telltale sign of um, something that's more powerful than just an enjoyable or something for entertainment, right? And even um, on Bilbo's side, the, um, you know, Bilbo, the hero of The Hobbit, has to um, go and, uh, you know, go and get the Arkenstone, right? But what does he have to do? He has to become a thief, right? That's very weird. That's not really what a hero um, would do. And that just even... Uh, Frodo himself, he he becomes some, something that he's not. You, both of them are tapping into the dark side a little bit, right? And I think there's a lot of parallels there of, of a deeper metaphysical meaning of, you know, if you're if you're harmless, that doesn't mean that you're virtuous, right? If you're somebody who is nice just for the sake of being nice, it doesn't really mean that you're a good person morally, right? It, it's you have to be able to tap into that evil a little bit, and understand what it is for you to consider yourself. Um, virtuous, let's say. You know, I I, I dealt with this my whole life because I'm a very um, agreeable person, right? Agreeable people, you see that all the time. They'll just say yes just to, you know, just to just to go with the flow. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. Um, I know somebody like that. Maybe you, Jessica, right? And this is very similar to, to Harry Potter. This, this is a theme that I think you see in a lot of the people that you like. You have to kind of be an anti-hero, go against the grain a little bit, um, through parts of it, right? Until the end when obviously the hero, right? You have to break the rules sometimes. Um, that's what happens in uh, Harry Potter, right? My Harry Potter fans, another th- fantasy that was um, that he influenced Tolkien. Um, and I think there's a value there, right? You have to break the rules to achieve your highest goal by your values, right? By your um, morality, and I think that's just another kind of tidbit to, that that you can really just chew on and, and contemplate. And, you know, Tolkien took a lot, um, I would say, borrowed. And I think that's why another reason why I, we all love it. There's so many. He basically took each defining moment of the book or of the, of the story. Movies, movies are fine. Or he did borrow it from a piece of uh, mythology from North from the the ring of power itself is um borrowed from Norse mythology there there was a it was called the the, the Valsunga story and uh, I, I read it you can read it in translation beautiful the the prince the prince uh is a beautiful handsome prince kills his father and his king for uh this ring of power and then hides in a mountain for hundreds of years and becomes a grotesque creature Right, that is Gollum. That's the story. Um, that's where he got that one from. Uh, another one from Norse mythology. Just the way he sets up the the just the way he kind of does his setting. Right, Norse mythology has um, Asgard at the top, Hell at the bottom, and in between is Midgard. The translation of Midgard um, is the Earth between sky and Hell. So Middle Earth. That's kind of where he got that from. 
too. And then just all these little pieces that I never realized. Like Gandalf, one of my favorite characters. Who doesn't love Gandalf, right? The wizard who promotes knowledge, justice, truth, insight. That uh, He borrowed that from Odin. And I believe... I, I Googled this. I saw that he said it. I can't... I, don't, I didn't hear him say it. But um, he wanted Gandalf to be like an Odinic wanderer. And I think that that's clear. I never looked at Gandalf that way because there's no... Um, there's there's no technically relationship like you know blood relationship to Gandalf and anybody. He is um a valor of sorts. He's basically like an angel. Um, that is clearly another kind of borrowing from Norse mythology. Um, a beautiful way to do it. And just I'm not saying he's stealing it. It's just these beautiful little stories that he's taking pieces of, and uh, just made them his own in a straightforward. Um, way to kind of piece all together. Uh, when he fights, when Gandalf battles the Balrog, one of the greatest parts, right? You shall not pass. We all love that, right? That was literally taken, right? When Odin fights uh, Serta, who is a fire giant um, for Ragnarok. It's it's beautiful, right? But there's there's much more to this than than just um, you know him borrowing, right? The the story of that he portrays is um, is all these little pieces of other mythology. Then he puts his own little spin on the heroes on power. For example, the story. What is a typical hero story? The hero is moving towards a goal to go obtain the treasure. Right. We would say it's more similar to um, even even the classic King Arthur. Right. Going to get the the Holy Grail. Um, the heroes in this story are not seeking a treasure but to destroy the darkness and if that doesn't give you chills just gave me chills I think there's something there's something to take from that on a on an interpersonal level of how to live your life right um seek to not only try to make the people around you better or or, or even to obtain a goal but seek to destroy that that evil or those dark pieces that are inside of you Right now, think about it. Um, you have Sauron. Sauron's the bad guy. Sauron, look at him like the Lucifer of this. Um, the temptation of the ring, right? That's a theme that is very powerful in between it. And the, at the end of the fellowship, they have to disband um, because uh, Frodo knows it's going to eat everybody alive. So what did this evil doer Sauron do, right? Sauron poured his cruelty, his evil, his malice into the ring. You know, Gandalf says in the fellowship, the ring and Sauron are one in the same, right? And this this meaning is um it's so prevalent in t- in today. It's becoming more prevalent as we see the world kind of grow and grow, right? There um greed, money, fame, sex, any type of addiction that could be looked at as your temptation, right? And that's the that's the 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 nuance of it, right? Having humans easily swayed by um by this by this ring the most right so if you look at the the hierarchy humans probably have the the biggest attempt for um the biggest uh the word be the just the biggest temptation to kind of fall into that dark side of of wanting the ring and wanting power and it's mine it's mine my precious blah 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 um and that's another commentary on just the human condition as well right then you add, what does that ring do once you get it, right? It, it, it's, it makes you, um, it does accelerate your power, right, per se, but what does it do for most people? It makes you invisible, right? What is invisibility? It's that 
that that false sense of um, of security, right? The the um, being being able to, you know, when you get greed, when you when you get money, when you get fame, right? What happens? Your your that ego is easily swayed. It's it's puffed up and it keeps puffing. And sometimes you have to be knocked down on it. So there's very deep things that our friend Mr. Token is going on here, and I think there's so many pieces that are rooted emotionally and contextually just with the human condition. So when he was writing this in World War II, he was, you know, World War II was going on, not only the end of World War I, but you see genocide, you see famine, there's death everywhere, there's concentration camps, and there's, this is a rough time for, for to, to be going on. And um, it, it's interesting that they call the first movie, the first book, The Fellowship of the Ring, because um, what what is that saying, right? The each different each different uh, race of people, the dwarves, the men, the elves, even the Valar, right? Even the um, these angel type things, they must put their differences aside and come together, right? And you have to have cooperation and unity, and that is something that Gandalf kind of displays the whole time. Do not despair, my friends. We have to kind of come together. We have to be one, and even Gandalf himself... Um, sacrificing himself off of the decision that Frodo made, right? There's just so many parallels to, to, to Jesus and, and sacrifice and um, Frodo being 33 years old. That's the same day. Um, that's the same age that Jesus was when he got crucified. That number 33 is a big um, Christian number. I'm sorry, if this, I don't want to turn this into a, a little bit of a Christian thing here, but there's just so many different similarities that he pulled from not only the mythos, as we've said, but from Christianity itself. And it's, it's a beautiful, um, beautiful thing with tons of, tons of themes, tons, tons of, uh, metaphysical premises that we can kind of take and be able to really, really chew on and be able to, to look at from, from a deeper level, right? Not just as somebody who's bringing a ring to kill the bad guy. There's a lot of, um, you know, I could have, I tried to do just a quick overview on the reasons why, but there, there's so much juice here. And, and I would just say, um, definitely check it out one of, if not the strongest pieces of fantasy that kind of was the first to, to really kind of carve the way for people to become now Tolkien and, um, you know, th- these other great authors. So I would highly suggest it. I hope I did a good job on this one. A lot of notes here, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of stuff going through my brain here. I really am overwhelmed by, uh, how much it, it moved me yesterday when I watched Fellowship. I'm just going to turn on Two Towers today, do it without the boys, um, yeah, I'll leave you guys with that. Please watch it if you want. You want to send me an email, talk about it, have a little more discussion about it. It's maybe part one of a little mail. Do, do more this month because this was this was fun. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this little intro on Lord of the Rings and some of the, the meanings that it has for me. Uh, that's it, people. Thank you so much. Please leave a like, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Tell your friends, please, if we could just change the world one person at a time, I think, you know, by the end of this. We're going to be in a much better place. We all need it. Uh, As always, stay safe, stay positive, stay blessed. Thank you. Bye-bye.